and spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. And now, living God, speak to us a living word. And by your grace, may we hear through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I've entitled the sermon tonight, In Your Dreams. So where do you go in your dreams? Where does your mind take you when you allow it to wander? In those moments of escape, when you close your eyes and imagine a different life, a different set of circumstances, a a different reality from the one you wake up to every single day, where, where do you go? A sun-kissed beach in the Bahamas, perhaps, having your feet massaged while sipping pina coladas. A snowed-in cabin nestled away high up in the Rockies with a glass of red wine and a good book in front of a roaring log fire. Maybe you dream of a new car or a new house or a new husband or living a life of luxury and leisure thanks to a lottery windfall. Maybe it's a different job, or a different boss, or a different job where you are the boss, or maybe you dream of no longer having to be the boss. In the midst of the daily grind, where do you go in your dreams? For me, I find myself walking out to bat for South Africa in the final of the Cricket World Cup, which is kind of hard to translate into Americans. Let me just say that what happens in my mind is roughly the equivalent of me stepping up to the plate at the bottom of the ninth innings in game seven of the World Series, trailing by three runs, Bases loaded, two out, and yes, you guessed it, I crush a home run, a grand slam, right out of the ballpark. To which my kids would say, in your dreams, Dad. (laughs) Which loosely translated means, wake up, sunshine, that ain't ever gonna happen which, of course, is true. That's the thing about these kinds of daydreams, that they operate in the realm of fantasy, far removed from reality. They, they take you out of the world, which is another way of saying that they take you nowhere. 
Because no matter how many times you play the scenario over and over in your head, nothing in your material reality ever changes as a result. In fact, these kinds of dreams are often the very thing that ensures that nothing in our actual lives ever changes. By escaping in our minds, we avoid the harder work of facing up to what is really needed to live a fuller, richer, and more meaningful life. And so we settle for living in our dreams. But there's another kind of dream that can arise within us. A dream that doesn't take us out of the world, but more deeply into it. A dream that doesn't remove us from reality, but enables us to face it more courageously. A dream that doesn't operate in the realm of fantasy, but is rooted in the everyday circumstances of our actual lives, promising real change to every situation of heartache and disappointment, of brokenness and pain. It is, of course, the dream of God for our healing and transformation into wholeness, and not just for us as individuals, but also for entire communities and nations, indeed, for the entire world. This dream has a name. Emmanuel, it's the dream of God with us. God showing up in our midst, clothed in flesh and blood, not just at Christmas time in a nativity scene, but here and now and always. But here's the thing. This dream of God with us comes in surprising ways and unexpected forms, often disrupting our lives and upsetting our plans. This was exactly what happened to Joseph. His whole world had been shattered by the news that his fiancée, Mary, was pregnant and Joseph knew that he was not the father. Imagine the heartache and sense of betrayal that must have been his. He chose not to make a big scene about it and expose Mary to public disgrace, but he was equally clear that he could no longer marry this woman The bond of trust between them had been broken, and so he could see no other way but to break off their engagement. But then, quite literally, in a dream one night, Joseph heard the surprising, disrupting news that all this was, in fact, part of God's dream to save the world. Hard as that must have been for Joseph to to hear and to recognize and to trust. But in the end, amazingly, he did so. And because of that risky act of radical trust in this dream of God, 
He became part of that dream. He became part of that story. As he witnessed with his own eyes the birthing of something vital, something extraordinary, that in the form of a vulnerable little baby boy called Jesus, God had come near. Joseph's story speaks to me of what I believe is happening here at this place, the portico. Because something vital, something extraordinary is being birthed in this place. It's the dream of God with us unfolding here in surprising and beautiful ways. It is, of course, different from what many people imagined. The question is, are you able to recognize in what is happening here the surprising dream of God? Years ago, my eldest niece was about to celebrate her fifth birthday. Her parents, my my sister and brother-in-law, had done a great job in building up her sense of anticipation by counting down the days to her birthday when she would get her big birthday surprise. The big birthday surprise was... uh, was a Wendy house. I don't know if you know what that is here in America. It's kind of like a kiddie's um, um, dollhouse, but, but a life-size dollhouse for children, okay? Uh, she was, that was the surprise. She was getting uh, this, this, this kiddie's life-size dollhouse uh, as a present. It was secretly delivered and assembled the day before her birthday without her knowing, Uh, And then her parents spent half the night painting and decorating it so that it would be just perfect. Well, the morning of her birthday came and she was told that she needed to look for her big birthday surprise. And so the hunt began. With great excitement, she looked all around her bedroom and then announced in a loud five-year-old voice, no birthday surprise here. Next, she ran to her parents' bedroom and and looked around and announced once again, no birthday surprise here. And so this continued as she moved through every room in the house, the bathrooms, the lounge, the kitchen, the family room. Each was searched, and then she'd declare, no birthday surprise here. Finally, her mom suggested that she look in the garden. And so they pulled open the curtains and opened the door to the outside courtyard. And as she stepped outside, she suddenly stopped dead in her tracks. Her little eyes opened wide in amazement as she saw it. Look, mommy, she said, it's a Wendy house. And she ran over to it as fast as she could. She opened the door and went inside. After a few moments, she appeared again in the doorway and said, No birthday surprise here. (laughs) 
She was looking right at it. In fact, she was standing inside of it. But she couldn't see it. She couldn't recognize that this was her surprise. It was just too big, too wonderful, too too good to grasp that this was, in fact, for her. It's a lovely story. And I think it describes something of what happens for many of us when it comes to the big birthday surprise of God taking on flesh in our midst, in our lives, in our circumstances, precisely because Christ draws near to us in forms and in faces that we would never have imagined. And so we can be looking right at the surprising dream of God with us without recognizing what it really means, without grasping that this, in fact, is for us, that this dream of God is not just a fairy story from a long time ago, but comes to us here and now in the nitty-gritty realities of our lives, not to take us out of the world, but to draw us more deeply into it, to enable a more truthful and transformative engagement with whatever's going on in our lives, because that is where God can be found. So let me ask you again, where do you go in your dreams to escape the tough realities of life? And where might the much better dream of God take you instead? To a broken relationship so that forgiveness and healing and restoration might be known? To a shameful secret or a painful memory so that you can be released from the toxic grip of guilt or blame? To the anxiety that comes from ailing health or advancing years or financial stress or whatever else is causing you to to be afraid so that you can find a place of deeper acceptance and trust to the anger and frustration and fear perhaps born out of the appalling ineptitude of, of inadequate political leadership so that creative energies for genuine nation building and community change can be unleashed. Does it sound impossible? Tempted to say, in your dreams? Well, these are exactly the kinds of things that are in God's dreams because Christ draws near to us in these places. And when those moments arise, when something shifts, enabling us to step into a bigger, richer, fuller life and to recognize, surprise, surprise, that this is for us, 
that God is here, that God is doing what God dreams of doing, well then, in those moments, something vital can take hold of us afresh. And we find ourselves drawn into that story that truly offers hope for our world. One of my favorite real-life examples of such a moment happened in 2009 to a woman called Susan Boyle on a show called Britain's Got Talent. Some of you may be familiar with the story. She, She walked onto the stage in a talent competition to give an audition, a rather frumpy, dowdy-looking woman that nobody took particularly seriously. But take a look at what happened. Hi, what's your name, darling? My name is Susan Boyle. Okay, uh, Susan, and where are you from? I am from Blackburn, near Bathgate, West Lothian. It's a big town. It's a sort of collection of... It's a collection of... Uh, Villages. I do think there. And how old are you, Susan? I am 47. <laughs> and that's just one side of me. <laughs> okay, what's the dream? I, I'm trying to be a professional singer. And why hasn't it worked out so far, Susan? I've never been given the chance before, but here's hoping it'll change. Okay, and who would you like to be as successful as? Elaine Page. Elaine Page. What are you going to sing tonight? I'm going to sing I Dreamed a Dream from the Miserables. Okay. Big song. (laughs) Yeah? Yes. I dreamed a dream in time gone by
So that performance effectively launched Susan Boyle's singing career, catapulting her into the stratosphere of stardom. Later that year, she she released a debut album that instantly became the UK's best-selling debut album of all time. And the song she sang in that audition, appropriately enough, that started it all, was I I Dreamed a Dream from the musical Les Miserables. The poignant irony is that in the musical, the song is a heart-rending lament sung by one of the characters, Fontaine, at a rock-bottom moment in her life when all of her hopes and dreams lay in sheds when she sings, but life has killed the dream in me. Not unlike Joseph, in the heartbreaking disappointment that was his, and yet there was another dream, the dream of God for something so much more. So friends, hear the good news. Whatever's going on in your life, Whatever's been broken or shattered or betrayed for you, you don't have to escape through some idle fantasy. There's another kind of dream that promises real transformation. It's the dream of God with us. And as you continue to be a part of that dream, of God that is unfolding even in this place. May you be encouraged to step boldly into the broader, freer life that God's dream is bringing you. Amen. Shall we be quiet for just a moment? Amen.